I'm Jen, owner of Hello June Creative. And I'm Giselle, owner of Wander Design Co. Welcome to Better, the brand designer podcast. We love being transparent, honest, and down to earth on this podcast. We consider you guys such an important part of our episodes. We're all about broadcasting conversations that support our design community, uncovering industry secrets, and offering actionable advice. Just remember, the only designer you need to be better than is the one you were yesterday. Welcome back to Better the Brand Designer podcast. We're super excited to be hanging out in your earbuds or your earphones today. Let's jump into our intro question for the day. How has COVID-19 affected your business, Giselle? And you can say positives or negatives for this one. I want to be very transparent about this because I think it's very important for people that are still maybe riding the struggle bus. It was what, March when everything kind of hit here in the US and that's when a lot of my projects either got paused or got canceled. So it was a little scary for sure. And I remember I was like just making sure that I was supportive with my clients, letting them know, hey, I totally understand, like no hard feelings. One in particular was a bigger bummer, but I never took it personally, which I think was key for me to keep my sanity and be stay positive and just like keep moving forward with my business. So um, I think that was really important. And I was, you know, hitting over 10K months. And then that March was like, I my, my income basically got cut in half. So luckily, I was in a position where I had made enough every month that getting my income cut in half, like wasn't like a disaster for me. Like I still could pay all of my bills and still had money to pay for groceries and then some. And then after that, I slowly started building it up until I think it was sometime this summer, like either July or August, I started hitting 10K again. So it was like a, some clients kind of left, some some of them just postponed and then continued on later. And then um, a lot of other different clients came in. So that's how COVID affected my business. Other than that, like I, the entire time, I've just been extremely grateful that I already had a business that I ran and that I wasn't worried about getting fired. And I also like, I'm working from home, so I didn't have to worry about adding any precautions or anything like that. And besides the client situation, nothing else has been affected in my business. So everything's running as usual. That's overall how it how it happened for me. How did it happen for you, Jen? That is so interesting. Like I, I, I mean, I don't love hearing about how you know, like this negative you know thing has affected people's businesses, but I do think it is very valuable to see how people approach these challenges. And I loved hearing about your attitude because that's one of the things that's been really driving me recently is that there are so many things in my life that like I can't control. I can't control COVID. I can't control, you know, whatever is going on in the world. I can't control my baby. You know, he just does what he does. But the thing that I can control is my attitude. And that has been something that has been really, really like just huge for me. And so I I would say that I probably have the same outlook with COVID. Um, I, in March, I was in my second trimester pregnancy, um, about to enter my third uh, trimester and things just like were dead. Like it's not even that I was in the middle of projects that like pause. It's just that like everything stopped. I was getting zero inquiries. I was like, oh my gosh, like yeah. <laughs> what the heck is going to happen? And I actually am super lucky. I got approved for a paycheck protection plan loan. And I know that you did as well. And that was amazing. Um, and it still remains to be seen about how like we're able to file for forgiveness. I know that it will be forgiven, but like got to figure that out with my accountant. Um, but that was really, really nice just to like kind of have that extra padding. And, you know, like you said, like I, you know, ha- I had savings. I have, you know, I live in a two income household. So that was really just nice. I know that not everyone is in that situation. It's probably a lot more scary and stressful for people who are not in situations like ours. And I really like respect the heck out of people who had to like, you know, take a hit on their income and that was like the way they support their family. Like I can't even imagine. But I would say that I definitely saw an uptick in inquiries pretty much around the time that I had my baby, which is um, <laughs> horrible timing. But I would say the same thing. Like 
like July, August, I was getting like multiple inquiries a week. I booked my highest ever package, you know, a couple weeks ago. Business has been freaking booming for me right now. And I don't know if it's the fact that people have, you know, had that initial scare, they've gotten over it. And now they're like either pivoting and starting online businesses and they need websites or it's that they're just tired of like holding off on their dreams and they're just ready to like let that money go and like really invest. So it was, you know, dead for a while. And now I'm, you know, hitting those 10K months, like you were saying, like for the first time ever in my business. I don't know if that was COVID or, or what it was, but you know, it's business is good right now. And I'm very, very grateful for that. On top of that, like, how was it with you expecting with COVID going on? Like, how did that feel? I didn't have any travel planned. So like I didn't have any like plans change. I'm a homebody as it is. So like I wasn't, you know, especially as I was super pregnant, I wasn't trying to go anywhere. So like it was weird, and especially in the postpartum period where I'm like homebound attached to my baby 24 seven, like literally he's sleeping on me right now. Like I, it's just a weird thing where everyone is in that situation, you know, where no one is leaving their houses and everyone is like, you know, at home with their kids or whatever it is. Um, So it's been like a weird positive negative. I mean, obviously, like I know that like there's nothing positive about a global pandemic, but like it has been kind of weird that like, oh, you know, we're kind of all in this together. This is the way I've been living my life normally. And now people are getting a taste of working from home. And I feel like I have, (laughs) you know, like just some advice to share with with friends who are experiencing that for the first time. So yeah, absolutely. I I feel like um, I just reached out to a lot of friends, especially people that were like always, you know, I can't believe how how you can like work from home all the time. I could never do that. And now here they are in a situation where they have to. And I'm like, hey, let me know if you need any tips or any help or anything like that. Yeah. I have friends who are like, I literally don't know how you do it. And I'm like, I don't know how you go to an office every day. So <laughs> no, I, I do. I have I have been there. I worked in New York for a while. So I get I get the commute. I get the office life. Um, and I do miss that sometimes. But I mean, I'll choose this over over the office life any day. <laughs> so One, I think the biggest thing that um, COVID did affect in my life was like you were like just saying how you're very uh, much of a homebody. For me, I love going out for extended periods of time and that was one thing that was starting to drive me crazy we had a lot of we had a lot of uh flights canceled to this day i still haven't it's um september now and i still haven't gotten on a flight maybe who knows what's gonna happen but we i have a lot of airline credit right now (laughs) oh my gosh you're gonna be like wandering for the next like six months after covid stops like you're gonna be like (laughs) send an email responder just be like hey my team's got it i'm wandering bye (laughs) (laughs) i love that she literally puts that in her email response guys (laughs) currently wandering and i love that i'm like so on brand i love it (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. oh my gosh okay well that was a little bit longer of an intro question response but i I feel like it's necessary just because like it's something that every single person on the planet is dealing with. I don't think I've ever experienced something in life, I mean in my, you know, short 26 years where like something happens in the world that literally affects every single person in different ways, but you know, it's kind of like we're all in this together, you know, especially with within our brand our better brand designer community, you know, like if you need help, like hit us up in the Facebook group or like, you know, talk about COVID or, you know, whatever it is, like we're, we're here to help. So yeah, absolutely. All right. So diving into our topic for the day, this has been something that has been very highly requested from our community. And we are talking about the sales and discovery call. I know that people call it different things. You might have a different name for it in your process, but for the sake of brevity, we're going to refer to it as the sales call during this podcast. I personally refer to it as the discovery call just because like the word sales call just doesn't really like, you know, it kind of kind of scary for people. It's like, hey, get on a sales call with me. It's like, oh, you know, like it's like, oh, it's a discovery call. Okay. And 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 like, I'm not like lying about that because I really do see it as an opportunity for me to discover about the client in addition for them to discover about me. So it's almost like, you know, obviously I'm selling my business and my services to this potential client, but like they're kind of selling themselves to me as well because I am in a position where I'm able to be very selective about the the clients and the projects that I take on. And I call it the diagnostic call. Yes. I don't, I don't ever tell my clients that. It's like that way that I refer that in terms of, you know, with my coach or with my team members or something like that. I call it the diagnostic call. I love that you have a different name for it internally. 
Because that kind of helps set your mindset from the get-go, that it's like a diagnostic call for like the client and for you. I love that. Yeah. So it's like, it's just another way of saying discovery, I guess. Let's just kind of like do a big overview. The style we're going to do this in is we're just going to ask each other questions and hopefully, you know, something will come up that you guys will find helpful um, or it's just fun to listen to the way that other people do stuff. So um, I'm just going to go over like what exactly it is and where it happens in my specific inquiry process. That's a huge question that people ask all the time is when do you get on the phone with someone? Um, you don't want to get on the phone too early because then, you know, you're going to drop, you know, you're like, hey, like, you know, project start at 5K. And then they're going to be like, oh my gosh, that's so expensive, you know, and then it's just going to be a waste of both of your time. But you don't want to get on the phone too late and then like let them think too hard and get freaked out, you know, before you have a chance to sell your services. Um, and so that might be a client that you would lose because you didn't really get on the phone with them early enough. So this is the way it works. Someone submits an inquiry from my website. Then I send them an initial email that says, hey, thank you so much for this inquiry. It's a canned email, but I'll like go in and kind of change some things and make it more personal. Like, hey, I checked out your Instagram. I think that we'd be a really good fit. I do put in there, hey, this is my minimum price for projects, just so you know. AKA minimum level of engagement. There you go. And so like I recently, that's been a big change that I put in my business because I was getting on the phone with people who were just not booking and it was just wasting my time. And like, obviously I know getting on a sales call and not getting booked, that's not a waste of time because you have to like, you're not going to book every single sales call that you get on, but like it was just happening more often than I'd like. So I was like, you know what? I need to put this in my email. And then if they see that and they're like, okay, I still want to get on the phone with her that's when I know that it's a really hot lead and that like, you know, that's helped me actually filter out a few people because I was getting some inquiries and, you know, I responded with that email like, hey, this is my minimum project and or project price. And then some people were like, hey, like, thanks so much for letting me know. That's a little bit out of my budget. Um, I'm going to just, you know, have to move on. And I was just like, you know, what? great. Thank you so much for letting me know that. Like, I wish you well. Like, of course, I follow them on Instagram and engage with them still. Um, but that is nice. So inquiry email, then they have a chance to, uh, they inquiry email, and then they have a chance to um, schedule a discovery call or a sales. I'm going to call it the discovery call full time. They have a chance to schedule the sales call um, through my HoneyBook scheduling app. And then we get on the phone. Then I send them a proposal outlining everything we talk about on the sales call um, and including the invoices and the contract for the the project. So that's kind of like how it happens and like in the order that it happens. Giselle, would you say that that's similar or different than what you it's do? It's very similar. Yeah. And one of my biggest mistakes too for a long time was that I was scared to bring up the price too early on. So I would just like avoid the question even until after the sales call. And then I would send out an email with the proposal and it would just sticker shock them. So that was a terrible way for me to do it. And I used to do that too. I And I made, I made the same exact mistake. And yeah, just because I was nervous to talk about money on the phone. I was just, it's just scary. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that I was working on my business. Um, that was something that I was working on with my business coach. Shout out to Jane Scudder from The New Exec. She is amazing. Um, but like, I just never wanted to bring up money on the phone because I was so afraid of rejection. I was so afraid of saying like, hey, my branding packages start at X dollars. And then to have them be like, whoa, like who, like what makes, what gives you the right to charge, you know, X dollars for a branding pack? You know, like I've literally never had anyone say that. Literally not one time has anyone on the phone been like, whoa, that's way too expensive. Maybe they'll lie and be like, okay, yeah, that sounds good. And then ghost, you know, but never have I like had like that situation that I've been so afraid of. So one of the things that, that Jane kind of like really helped me work on with, you know, that, that sticker shock or, you know, like just speaking out the, the price on the phone is to just say, hey, I really want to talk about pricing for a second. My branding packages start at X dollars and then pause and then don't say anything else that pause. Are you guys getting anxious? You know, I used to get anxious in that pause, but like just let them have a chance to react. And then if you pause and they don't say anything, then you can say, what's your reaction to that? And that's like a really big moment. That's scary to say, hey, what's your reaction to that? Like, how does that fit into your budget? You know, like just to get them 
talking because I used to say like, oh, this is the price. And, but you know, we could, we could take this off or, you know, oh, you know, it doesn't need to be that high. We, we like already shooting myself in the foot and it was, it was affecting my bottom line. And so that was a huge thing that's really helped me in, in, in that sales call. Yeah, that is super powerful. The, when I first learned that, I, I was just like, all right. I mean, it seems too good to be true. But once you start trying it, it's actually really hard to do. And then the more you do it, the the more confident you get. And trust me, like on the other end of that phone, that person is like, whoa, this person is legit. You know, like they're not only are they like they see that you've owned it, you you know what you're worth, you're confident. That shows also the level that you are providing for the client too, if they did book you. Honestly, confidence sells. Confidence really, really sells. I mean, that that has been a thing that's been very difficult for me to learn um, because, of course, you know, I, I look confident on the outside. I'm this extroverted person who loves to chit chat and I have a podcast and stuff. But like on the inside, I'm like, oh my goodness, why am I charging this much? They're never going to pay this, like blah, blah, blah. You know, like that's, that's a chatter inside my head. I know all of you know what I'm talking about. But then when I'm just like, you know what? It's X dollars. Pause. Wait. You know, like it's just, it just gives me this sense of like, hey, this is what I'm worth. And if you're not willing to pay that, then like, I respect that. But like, I'm going to like move on to the next person who is, you know? And with the sales call process for me, it's, I think I I use Dubsado. Jen uses HoneyBook. But it's basically the same thing. I have my lead capture form on my website. And depending on what service people write that they're inquiring about, so it's a little drop down menu, there's a workflow for each one. And with that workflow, um, after they submit the form, they get an automated response talking more about that service, like the process, usual timeline. And then I say like, okay, here's the range that that would usually fall on. And that way, I'm already filtering out that person, like Jen was saying, that and if they do book and at the end of that, I always have the call to action. Like, if this all sounds good to you, let's get on a call and like make it super excited. Like, this is a very clear, like, this is the next step if you want to work with me. And then they book the ske- they schedule the call. And that's how I know, okay, this person already saw my pricing. I'm all, like, it kind of gives me a little bit of that confidence boost that I can like show up on the phone and then say, all right, it, this is the range that we're looking at. So I always give out a range. I don't just give out one number or say, well, if with my last client, I charge this much because <laughs> they don't need to know that. And every client is different. And I price by the client. I think this also has to involve like how you price, like whether you're hourly or per package or, you know, you price the client or whatever it is. Um, that's, you know, you kind of have to get a, a general idea of that before you even get on the call. So Jen, at what points do we like to hit in our sales call? Like what what questions do you usually like to ask? Okay, so I usually start out the sales call by letting the client know that I like to keep it casual. I think that that kind of like makes it so that they're not so nervous to talk to me or they're not, you know, like sometimes clients are, are a little nervous to talk to you. They've never been on a sales call before. They don't really know what to expect. So the first thing I say is like, hey, I like to keep this really casual. I really just want to get to know you, your business. Like, can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, why you started and what you do? Just kind of give me an overview. And so then that allows them to kind of jump in. They get to talk about something that they're passionate about. And so I get to hear that. And that's how we start. We usually go and talk about the process. And if they don't bring it up, then I'll say, hey, I usually on these these sales calls or this (laughs) discovery call, I usually like to talk about my process because that's something that people ask about a lot. Um, This is how branding works. This is how web design works. Um, And then I introduce pricing after that. And then I kind of wrap up by saying, you know, hey, like no pressure at all to, you know, give me an answer right away. I know that this is a big investment and I really respect that. Um, I'm going to send you a proposal that outlines everything that we've talked about today and um, allow like just kind of let you think about it and, you know, just kind of look things over. And if you have any questions, you can reach out. So that's kind of like the very casual way that I like go about it. So it's not really as much like Question one, question two, question three. It's more like a kind of a conversation for me. But one of the questions that I do really like to include is what does success for this project look like for you? That's like, if I ask one question in the sales call, it's gonna be that one because, you know, that kind of helps me get to the root of why they've reached out to me. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, my business, I wanna I wanna reach 100K in sales or I want, you know, I wanna be able to be confident when I give someone my business card or like, I wanna be able to share my website and feel good about it. Like, those are the kinds of answers that really help me, you know, figure out whether or not, A, this is a client I wanna work with and B, like, 
what it really is that they're chasing and what they're investing in. Yes. Yes, that, that is so important to learn too, because then you start seeing the patterns of which are the clients that are booking and what were their answers and is there a pattern here? Like for me, it's like, okay, they're all in a, in a stage with their scaling and they don't really have a team in place. So now they have to outsource and maybe they were the ones that were, you know, building their website for a long time or doing all the marketing or this and that. And now they're ready to move on to their level of expertise and leave this part to another expert. So yeah, with, with me, the you know, calling myself is called the diagnostic call. I like to put on that like doctor hat. So, you know, you go to the doctor and say, hey, I have a cold, which I actually do right now, which is probably why I sound a little weird. <laughs> you sound <laughs> beautiful. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you. And say, like, hey, I have a cold. Can I, you know, get some prescription to some sort of cough medicine or whatever that you can't get <laughs> at the store? And the doctor, what, what, what are they usually going to do? They're going to go through the procedure. Like they're going to check your ears. They're going to check your tongue. They're going to check your breathing. Like all of these things that if they were to just take your word for it, they would just write you a prescription. But no, they're, they're a professional and you're coming here thinking that you need something, but maybe that you need something else. And that's, you know, the doctor has really built up an expertise in this and he's going to know more what you need and what the remedy is for that, what the problem is as well. So with the diagnostic call, my goal is to figure out what the problem is and figure out the best solution to solve it. I love that analogy so much. And y'all know that I'm the queen of metaphors. So like, this is really <laughs> yeah. speaking to me. I love, I love this analogy so much. Yeah. And for some of you who have uh, gone to the summit, um, I did two summits since March. And in both of them, I talked a little bit about the diagnostic call. And um, yeah, I just love ever since I, I understood that, like, it just makes so much sense, sense to me. Because that's so true. Like, I mean, a, a client, <laughs> you're fine. A cli- I mean, because a client will come to you. And like you said, they think they might need something, they might need X service. But like, you might take a look at their website and be like, okay, you don't just need a new website. Like we need to do a whole new brand identity for you. I mean, how many times has someone come to you guys, you might, our audience and said, I need a website, but I already have a logo. It's like, mm, girl, let's take a look at your branding first. And then kind of like, you know, have you worked with a professional brand designer? Have you gone through a brand strategy process? You know, what is your color palette? What's your mood board? You know, like, what what are your values as a business owner? If they've never really thought about those things, that's an opportunity for you to kind of pitch that additional service and say, hey, like, I know that like you need a new website. I agree, let's work on your website. But first, this is the way that my process works. Why don't we talk about branding for a second? Is this something that you've ever considered? You know, and then that's an opportunity for you to like not only upsell another service that you have, but like just show them that like you are not just a pixel pusher designer, that you're a design consultant. That's literally, those are words that I speak in my sales calls. I say, I am not a designer. I'm a design consultant. And I'm not afraid to tell you if you, if I think you're making a decision that is wrong for your business, you know, at the risk of, you know, sounding pushy, like, and I've had a really, really great responses to that. I've had people say, wow, like, I need that because like so many people come and say, oh, I don't really know what I want. Like, I don't know what I need. Like I, I'm having a hard time making decisions. I don't have, a, I don't have very much clarity in my business. Like, and then I come in and say like, Hey, this is who I am. I'm a professional. I'm able to consult you on this. Like, I will let you know if I think you're making a mistake, like people value that and like people will pay for it. So like, that's when you, you give all that information. Then you say, Hey, my package is X dollars. They're like, okay, this isn't just a designer. It's not just a logo. It's not just a website. Like this is someone who is going to make my business make me more money. And there's so much value in that. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that you're doing this to service them. And it could be, you know, upselling them, or it could even be like, hey, like, you know, you don't actually need this full brand guidelines thing, because you know, you're just one person and this and that and whatever, and letting them know that I'm here to give you what you need, not not put you in a box of my packages. And sometimes that's what it feels like when um, you're being told like, you know, these are the packages, which ones you want to choose. It's like, okay, but I kind of wanted a custom package. And like, it, you have to make them feel like you are listening to them, to their problem. And you're not just like trying to fit them in a box. So asking these questions is really important and actually hearing them. And I always take notes. Like I even let them know, I say, hey, if you hear a little bit of, silence I'm just taking some notes you know I tend to be a little forgetful I even just own it I'm like I tend to be a little forgetful so I, I like to take notes and I I honestly put all of those notes like in one spot because then when it if they do book I'm like okay I I don't have to repeat 
these questions and ask them again because that is that does get annoying as well. So yeah, um, for sure. I mean, when you think about like if you hire someone to do a service for your business, like, and if you're especially if you're spending a lot of money, like upwards of ten thousand dollars on something, like you want them to like be like all about you, you know, like that's the way I really like to treat my clients, like starting with that sales call, you know, it is all about them. And, and I love what you said, Giselle, about listening, about taking a step back and allowing the client to really give them, give, give their answer and like listening. And, you know, like, especially that's hard for me because y'all know I could talk to a brick wall all day long. Um, and so it's been definitely a challenge for me on these sales calls to really step back, listen to what the client needs, and then kind of give them support and respond respond to their needs rather than me just talking about myself and my business all day. I mean, like if any of you have read the book Story Brand by Donald Miller, I mean, this is like exactly what he's talking about. The client is the hero of the story. Your business is not the hero of the story. Like, you know, you wish that, you know, that you could put at the top of your website, like my business does X, Y, Z. But, you know, if you're talking about really good copywriting practices, like you need to make the client the main thing. Level up your your branding look or like make more money or attract your ideal client or something rather than like, I'm Jen and I design logos or, you know, yeah. or whatever. Like, like this is how <laughs> awesome I am. And yeah, it's like, this is how awesome I can make your business or like imagine your business after we work together. That's the picture that you want to paint for your client. I know that's something that Giselle does all the time, especially with her retainer packages. That um, This is something that like, if it helps, another metaphor is think of yourself as the fairy godmother, right? Like you're not the main character of the story, but you're kind of crucial for the main character to go reach their goals, whatever they I love be. that. I've never heard that before. That's amazing. My my coach, Kelsey, she has a, the fairy godmother package or something like that. And it like does like so many things for the client. And I loved hearing that. I'm like, that's such a great name. <laughs> that's amazing. I need to come up with like creative names for my packages right now. It's just branding. I mean, like, I don't really have a ton of packages. It's just like everything starts with branding and then we do custom after that. So like it's not even like I used to be package based. I used to have a Squarespace package. You know, I used to have, I don't do that anymore. It's all, you know, value-based pricing based on what the client needs. Just to go back on that earlier thing that I said about packages and like making the client not feel like they're being put in a box. This is something that I got um, in response to when I would say like, here are my packages. And I would say, you know, I have, I forget what they even were, but they were not good names to begin with. It's like the mini <laughs> mini package, the premium package, the something else package, I forget. But, you know, leads would ask me, they would be very confused by that and ask me like, wait, so, you know, maybe I, they would always try to tend towards the cheapest package, but they would also feel like, like, oh, well, this is kind of, you know, it's like a menu card at McDonald's kind of thing. So if you're trying to do higher level work and very custom um specialized consultant work these packages don't work too well unless like I mean right now I do have kind of like a mini package for people that are just like either they're starting out in their business they don't really need like a ton of strategy they just need like the visuals for us to work on something else that we're doing then that is a package in itself but if it starts to become more strategic then there's really no package for it it's more about like what deliverables do we want to add on to this yeah, so. I think moving away from packaged pricing and moving into custom value, like, you know, just very specific, unique, um, you know, I don't want to say packages, but like proposals, that has been a really a big game changer in my business for sure. Because not only does it make the client feel like they, again, are the hero of the story, but it also kind of like decommoditizes your your selling process. Okay, I don't know if that makes any sense to anyone, but it like it makes it less of a like off the shelf type of situation and more of a like okay, like this is completely custom. I mean, think about like if you're buying a dress off the rack versus going to a designer and being like, okay, this is going to be a custom piece. Like you see people on the red carpet like Dolce and Gabbana, like custom for Anne Hathaway or something. You're like, whoa, like no one else has that. That's so cool. I bet you that dress costs way more than yeah. the one that you saw at Forever 21. Am I right? Like, <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So, that's and that's part of your helpful. diagnostic or sales call. You know, it's, it's figuring out, hey, do you need something off the rack or do you need like something custom? And yeah. gauging yeah, there's level nothing wrong. There's at. nothing wrong with off the rack. I mean, like I say, like for, for clients who don't have like the larger budgets for Webflow, 
Trello, WordPress, et cetera, like I say, hey, Squarespace is a great option because we can do it for a lot less. You know, I mean, it's still like a couple, you know, a couple thousand dollars to have just the website plus branding plus copywriting, you know, so it does end up being like a very big sell. But, you know, it's like, hey, if I, I always start with saying, hey, like, you know, Webflow, et cetera, Shopify, like we're looking at like 15, 20K for like those bigger websites. And then if I know that it's a, a client that's not going to be able to afford that, then I'm able to start with that higher that higher number. And then I kind of go down and say, but Squarespace is a great option too for people who are not ready to invest that higher level of money and or maybe they don't need a website that as, is as completely custom as we can make it in Webflow. And so then it's like, framing your pricing in that way helps the client see like, oh, okay, I'm not ready to spend that much money. But but you know what? The second price seems a little bit more, you know, attainable for me. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And one of the points that I like to hit in the sales call is there's two things. One is to ask them a question that really makes them think. If they respond saying, oh, like I hadn't thought about that before. That's a good question. I'm in the back of my head. I'm like, ding, like I hit one of those. Like that's a good sign. And um, and it's because I'm challenging them to think beyond what they've been like on a loop thinking about. And it again, it provides that perspective in their mind that they are hiring a professional and hence, you know, the higher prices or whatever's coming on. I love that. Can you share like what an example of one of those questions would be like? One example would be like you were saying, Jen, like what does success for this project look like to you? Another one would be, if three years from now we were having this conversation, what would it have had to change um, personally and professionally for for you to reach where you, like the goal that you wanted to get to basically? I love that. I love making people think about the future. It's a question in my questionnaire, like what, what do you want your business to look like in one year, three years, five years, 10 years, you know, whatever it is. It's like, and that's helpful for me too, to think about like, okay, what would grandma Jen say about this? Probably that it's not that big of a deal, you know, <laughs> like that's been helpful. And that's something that um, I've asked that question before and someone will think like, well, you know, I was, I hadn't thought about that before because they were kind of like lost in the fog of now and what they need now. And they're thinking, well, if I had it my way, like, and some people ask it, like if I could wave a magic wand, you know, what What would be accomplished in your business? And they would say like, oh, well, I would have a brick and mortar. I would do this. I would do that. And then I take those answers and I say, well, you know, when you have your brick and mortar, when you do this, like having this sort of deliverable, you know, for example, a custom art wall or whatever, like with your branding on it, like it would look so beautiful. And then that leads me to my next thing, which is um, – exciting them once I get excitement in their voice I'm like oh yeah that's my second ding and they're like thinking about it and I'm putting them in that space of vision like of their vision basically so if they didn't have a vision I ask those questions to get that vision out of them and then once once they share that vision with me I take that and I run with it and excite them so that we can both be like we can make this happen I love that so much. <laughs> and it's not like a manipulative thing. It's more of like a, hey, I'm here to be your cheerleader. And I've even told that to clients on the phone. Um, you know, it obviously depends on what kind of level of uh, chemistry we're having, because I'm not going to say that to like every client that I get, because some of them are a little more corporate or whatever. But um, I'm just like, hey, like, just think of me as your cheerleader. Like I take on clients that I really care about their business and I will treat it as my own. So I want your business to succeed as much as I want my own to succeed. And those are the kind of clients that I like to take on. So I um, love that so much. I'm literally learning so much just from hearing you talk about <laughs> the sales call. And I'm totally going to like include that in my in my calls now because I obviously start out with like, hey, tell me about your business. But maybe the next step after that is like, okay, you've told me about what your, where your business is at now. Let's talk about where your business is going to be in five years. And I like how you you kind of take their language and then you speak that back to them as if it was already reality. I know Rachel Hollis talks a lot about that, about visualization, about, you know, manifesting, like say your goals to yourself as if they've already happened. It's a very powerful tool. And so I love being able to, you know, the idea of using that in a sales call. Yeah, thank you for saying that. I, I always like, even before um, almost every podcast recording, I always tell Jen, I don't think I have much to say today. <laughs> and look at you, you're just dropping knowledge and just making me a better designer. Guys, oh. it's literally happening within this little conversation. <laughs> love it. Love this moment. <laughs> Yay. Um, okay, so moving on. Um, 
let's just kind of wrap up our, 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 our topic by talking about what happens after the sales call and then how we kind of use what has happened in the sales call to optimize the client booking. Because as much as we can talk about fluffy stuff and manifesting and all that kind of thing, we're trying to make money here. That's the goal of the sales call, obviously, is to make the sale, duh. So like, I'm gonna kind of just go over what ha- the steps that happen after the sales call and then like kind of like what that looks like for me. So like I said, I always say like, hey, I'm gonna send you, I always let them know, hey, the next step is that I'm gonna send you a proposal. It's gonna outline every single deliverable that we talked about. It's gonna go over my process. My proposals, I always do them in HoneyBook um, and it sends the proposal, it sends the proposed invoice calendar. So it includes every single payment that the client would pay and what date the payment would be due based on the, the timeline that we talked about during the call. That's another really important question that I ask. I ask about timeline. Um, I know that's just one of those like housekeeping things, but just kind of like jumping back. I always like to ask, hey, is there a specific reason why you need something by this date? Or is there a specific date that you want to have your website launch? Some people say no. Some people say, yes, I have a big conference coming up. I want to have business cards, you know, so it's important for me to know that so that I can put, you know, a potential start date in my proposal. And then I kind of like I space out invoices. Usually my invoices are about, you know, broken up into four pieces and I take a 25% deposit. It used to be 50% when my packages were a little lower. Now that I'm working on real, um, bigger projects, I think 25% is just a little bit more of a sweet spot for me and my clients and people don't tend to balk at that. Um, and I, I put specific due dates for each invoice and HoneyBook has an option that allows me to turn on auto pay. So if the client does book, they can turn auto pay on and so then I don't have to remind them to pay their invoices, it just automatically drafts um, their invoice, which is amazing. Yeah, and so then it also includes the contract after that, um, which is a template that I've used and kind of customized for from HoneyBook. Um, HoneyBook is amazing. We have 50% off, I think, your first year in our resources um, if you're interested in HoneyBook. It's amazing. HoneyBook, I don't know what I would do without it. I literally could not run my business without it. So yeah, those are the three things. Proposal, invoice schedule, and contract that gets sent over to the client with an email that just says, hey, so happy that I was able to you know, chat with you today. I always like to reiterate that there's no pressure to the client to book because I don't want them to think that like I'm pushing or that it's salesy or that like all I care about is money because yeah, that I'm like desperate or anything. Um, so I'll say, hey, there's no pressure to book, but I will let you know that that deposit is gonna be what secures your spot in my calendar. Um, and I'm not, I'm not afraid to tell people that I'm in demand because I am, you know? And I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying that as long as you say it in a way that doesn't come off as braggy. And I'll say that on the phone. I'll say like, hey, I don't mean to like come off as like, you know, trying to sound like, you know, better than I am, but I do have a couple people who are interested in booking me for September. And so if you are really serious about moving forward, I would love for you to submit that deposit so that I can secure your spot in my calendar so I can make sure I have time to focus on your project. And like people are, are usually like, yeah, that totally makes sense. That's how I run my business too. So those are kind of the steps that happen after the sales call. And then if, if I don't hear back from them and maybe like, four or five business days, I'll reach out again and say, hey, just wanted to see if you have any questions about that proposal. Then if I don't hear from them again in four or five business days, maybe I'll send one more email. And then after that, if I don't hear from them, then I'm just kind of like gonna move on. But most of the time, if I've sent that like first kind of like follow up, then people will be like, oh yeah, you know, I just, yeah, I was in vacation, on vacation or, you know, like, yeah, I'm gonna look over it this weekend. I'll get back to you on Monday or whatever it is. So yeah, those absolutely. are kind of those steps. So how does and- that look like for you, Giselle? Before we move on to that, is there a time that you give yourself after the discovery call? Sorry. Is there a time that I, that you give yourself after the sales call that um, you have to send them that email? Like, is there like in, I within do, 24 same hours? Day. Same I do, day. same yeah, day. Same. And like, I will tell that to them on the, I'll tell them that on the phone. I'll say, hey, look out for an email from me by the end of the day today. And I always deliver on that. If I do one thing that day, it's send the proposal all the time that I, that I sent it. And that's how I kind of work in my business too. Like if I say someone's going to get their brand strategy by end of day on Friday, they're getting that brand strategy by end of day on Friday. Like that, like, and so sometimes I won't even give someone like an actual day. I'll just say like, hey, like you'll get it next week or whatever. So that means that like I have a lot more time and flexibility. (laughs) But like when I say a date, I mean the date. Like unless something crazy happens, of course people understand. But like that's something that's just like I've always done in my business. I'm sure y'all do too. Yeah, and that I wanted to bring that to um, everyone's attention because 
I've also learned that you, you know, after the discovery call, sales call, diagnostic call, um, you want to do it same day. Um, it, it might be hard if you're doing the call, like as your last thing of the day kind of thing, then you can tell them, hey, I'm going to, you know, shoot you the proposal tomorrow morning. But other than that, like try to do it as soon as you can, because you want to ride that momentum and you don't want that train to slow down. And doing it even the next day um, sometimes can be a bit difficult where the client has had time to sleep on it and they've already forgotten some of that like tink tingling sensation or whatever or kind of worse excitement. they talk to their husband about it yeah <laughs> <laughs> some yeah. people are like yeah like i gotta kind of talk to my husband about this and i'm always like dang it <laughs> yeah <laughs> don't it's talk like, to your husband about it just book <laughs> yeah. it makes it hard when they put that player in a court because they didn't hear like the the visioning and everything that went on in the call they didn't so. hear the magic you know fairy godmother wand waving spectacular right. <laughs> that our performance was on the sales call so <laughs> yeah so yeah same for me i mean i just you know we do the call after the call um i send the proposal during this is something i learned very recently um towards the end of the call i'll let them know after hearing everything okay from what i've heard and reiterating things um this is what we're looking at in terms of price range and jen like you were saying because at first you say like you know these are usually my prices and then once you hear about them you're like okay i have an idea of where you're going to fit in and the reason I used to not want to say that before because I didn't want to like anchor myself into a price but um but then you leave yourself in a situation where you start negotiating price via email and it becomes much harder to book the client because it's an email exchange and they have a lot of other things going on and instead of just being like hey if you have any objections right now let's address those if you have any concerns let's address those so bringing that up and saying you know is that something that that is in your price range or this and that or whatever? Um, then you can address like, oh, I, why is it that expensive or, you know, what's what's it including? And then you can answer all those questions. Another thing that I've done to kind of give myself a little bit more flexibility is if I didn't really give them a price range or I really had to think about it because I knew that I had to outsource certain people and I had to make sure that I checked in with their pricing so that I buffer in that that amount on top of you know the profit for wander on top of my pay then um i figure that out first and then i send them the proposal with a loom video recording of me going through the entire proposal so i'm going through the timeline i'm going through the process i'm going through the deliverables i'm going through like some examples of what we've done in the past and generally like again getting them excited about it and how like custom and amazing it's going to be this fairy godmother that came into their lives, right? <laughs> I love the idea of sending a Loom video. That's for the proposal. I've actually had my web developer, Josh, did that for me one time. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. I need to do that because people can like fast forward. They can make it play faster. It's just like a great way. Anytime that you can insert yourself and your personality like behind the money behind the proposal to make it a little bit more personable and a little bit less like here's an invoice, you know, pay by X date, you know, like it's just it's like, hey, this is Jen. Like, I just wanted to go through this with you. If you have any questions, like it just makes it a little bit more like happy and less like sad money. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. It becomes, again, always putting this in that perspective of I'm here to serve you. I'm I'm not here so, you know, you can pay me and I can make all this money. You're investing in me, but I want my client, I always say you're investing in me, but I want my clients to see two, three, five, ten times return on the investment that they're making in me. Like that's my goal. My goal is for you to make money. And because like that's always their goal, then it's like, okay, our goals align. Yay. You know, like I found that that has been something that I've said in sales calls that have has been very, very powerful for people because it's true it's i'm not lying about that like i want my like like giselle said i i want my clients businesses to take off and succeed just as much as i want my own business to take off to take off and succeed and you know i really truly believe that branding and web design is like one of the best places you can put your money if you want to increase your your profits and i'll say that Absolutely. to people Absolutely. yeah it's it's so cool learning the more you learn about branding the more you're like wow this is so powerful <laughs> i know it so is and then you want to rebrand yourself a billion times <laughs> like I'm doing right now <laughs> and I have a three-month-old so I don't yeah. know how that's working but <laughs> it's happening You're incredible uh, oh, thanks all right so oh if we just if I could just talk with Giselle forever we would have like a billion hour long podcast and no one would be able to listen to it so unfortunately we do need to wrap up this episode should we do takeaways do we do we do takeaways I don't kind of but not really so let's just I'm just gonna really quickly go over like the beginning the end maybe and then we can 
I also wanted to plug in our um, diagnostic call template thing that we have for better, which, yeah, and we'll need to remember to add that in as an opt-in. Yeah, this has been an awesome conversation. It's almost like we can continue talking if we could, like they do in the those YouTube live uh, music series, like the lo-fi chill beats, things like that. I don't know if you ever listen to those, but they're like constantly playing. That, that could be us. <laughs> I know. My husband was like on like the coffee shop one last night and there was oh, just nice. like a chat on the side where people were just ha- talking. And then, yeah. of course, it's like crazy internet stuff. But like, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so the, take- <laughs> yeah. so the takeaways. Um, so, you know, once you enter the sales call, it actually begins before like gauging that the client is at the level of investment that you're looking for. So adding in some sort of buffer range, um, maybe your minimum level of engagement, something like that before getting them on the call. That way you're not wasting either of your guys' time. Um, And then when you get on the call, asking those higher level questions of, you know, why did you start your business? All of the things that your their website and their Instagram probably aren't saying. So all of those things that just you're trying to really find the root of their problem and what the best solution you have as a designer to solve it or, you know, strategist or web designer, whatever you are, and getting them excited, getting them into their stepping them into their vision. And then afterwards, talk, you know, sending out the proposal, making sure that you're doing it in a timely manner and hitting all those points that they could potentially have a question on timeline's really important for a long time I just hated doing the timeline because (laughs) I just didn't really know exactly how long something would take me which you know goes back to what we always say like having a process is crucial so knowing how long each part of your process takes will help you a lot more with that timeline and and also you know like any kind of deliverables anything that you could have added anything that you could probably say hey you don't actually need this so let's just scrap that but hey what if you add this other thing and replace it and really customizing everything to the client and yeah and then just following up you know two days later five days later and then doing a final follow-up and and just deciding okay well if they you didn't hear back or if you did hear back and they didn't book then that's all good and I also like to follow them on Instagram still because if I sent them a proposal, it's because they're a business that I can stand behind or a business that I would like buy their products or, you know, book their service. So I'm going to keep them on my radar. (laughs) Same. Yes. And like you never know. I mean, if someone who like had a sales call with you who decided not to book, they might refer you to someone. Like that's still a very valuable contact for you to have, you know, whether or not you got any money from them. So, yeah. Yeah. And if you think of it, um, you know, besides like you serve it, if you think of it besides you serving them too, um, as you making another friend, another connection, like I've been using LinkedIn a lot lately and I am actually really glad that I started using LinkedIn this year so that I, I can follow up with them and connect on LinkedIn. And now I have another connection so uh, like you were saying, Jen, like we can just get referred to somebody else. Maybe we weren't the best fit for them um, based off a of budget or process or whatever it is that they're looking for. But that doesn't mean you can't be friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For sure. Baby's starting to wake up. Sorry. Oh, little ba- <laughs> cute baby sounds coming out. Yeah, I know. There's some little baby sounds. I don't know if anyone will be able to hear them, but they're not. They're about to not be cute. So let's jump into our inbox question from Colleen Cahill. This is one of my favorite <laughs> inbox questions ever. Oh, hello, writer. <laughs> How do you diplomatically tell someone that their branding sucks? Giselle, Giselle, you're on. Oh, my god, You're in the hot seat. I'm on the hot seat. All right. So... Usually what I do is I try to inquire first, like what their intention was, like what their target market was. And then from there, let them know, here's a better idea or here's how your branding is not meeting that expectation. And I never say it in terms of like a visual aesthetic or personal taste. I'll say it more in like, hey, as an industry um, expert, like this is what I've noticed works and what doesn't work when it comes to, you know, whatever goal you have. So... If you come into something like feeling like hot stuff, thinking that like you have all the answers, but you don't even know what the problem is, like I think that that gives them like a bit of a red flag in their heads. Like, oh, how do you even know like what we're inten- our intention is? Like, who are you to tell us like what we're doing wrong and doing right? I love that. And I mean, I'll just add on to that, that like, you know, I will say something about their audience too. If I feel like I have a good grasp on who their audience is and I'll say, hey, like, I don't know if this is best serving your audience. And I'll always put it in the frame of like their audience. If someone is really, really married to a logo and brand name that just does not resonate with my aesthetic, I will, you know, happily let the project go because 
that's a red flag for me. And that's, you know, I, I don't do websites that haven't already been, you know, through my branding process. That's a bit like a big boundary that I set for myself at the beginning of the year. And I'm very happy that I did. It, you know, like it's it's easy to be like, yeah, who did that logo? Ugh. You know, but like, <laughs> I like that, you know, Giselle, you, would, you, you don't say like, that you know you think it sucks like to their face you say like in terms of strategy because that's what we are we're strategists you know we're design yeah. consultants so yeah and if, if you're working with somebody that has like a bad logo and you're working on their website or some sort of marketing piece or whatever and you really keep getting hung up on how bad their branding is have a conversation with them about it that's that's your place to be like, hey, you know, I know you booked me for this one service, but let me tell you how difficult it is to work on your branding. And here's why, you know, it's very messy. It doesn't print well. It doesn't play well with others. It's hard to read. It is a big one. Readability is huge. Yeah. Exactly. Or it's like too generic or whatever it is like that. Those are really valid points that aren't like aren't, def- you know, offensive is a word I was trying. To yeah, and the for. client may not be thinking about those things either. They may not be thinking like, wow, this is hard to read. How can someone buy my service if they can't read my logo because it's in this like crazy script font or something? Nothing, nothing against script fonts. I have script font in my own logo, but you know. Yeah. So one thing, one last thing I want to say before we wrap up is we actually have a sales call questions template and it comes with a bunch of questions that you can ask during your sales call. And it goes from like high level questions, like all those why questions that we talked about earlier, and also more of like those detailed questions too, and a few points like overall. So make sure to grab that on our website. It's um, one of those opt-in PDFs that you can download. And that's it for today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Yes, thank you guys so much. Love hanging out with you and talking about the sales call. And I feel, I have a feeling we're going to be referencing this episode a lot when people ask questions about it. So bookmark it, save it, send it to your friends, all that good stuff. Awesome. We'll see you guys next time. Bye guys. We hope you enjoyed today's conversation. Subscribe wherever you're listening to make sure you don't miss an episode. And we'd be forever grateful if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts. We bet you've got designer friends who'd enjoy it too, so share it with them. If you'd like to submit an inbox question for us to answer on air or want to get in contact with us directly, email us at inbox at betterbranddesigner.com. Our Facebook community is one of the most positive, supportive, and fun groups we've ever been a part of. We'd love for you to join us. Search for Better the Brand Designer Podcast on Facebook. And visit us online at betterbranddesigner.com to learn more about our podcast and snag major discounts on our favorite resources.